it is Secret. I am editing this episode in February of 2023, but I wanted to let you know before the episode kicks off that it was recorded by Me and Tomato in July 2022, which on the whole was not that long ago, but long enough ago that I wanted to create some context in case we say anything that's you know, radically contextual to last summer that maybe doesn't make sense now. In any case, now you know, and without further ado, I hope you enjoy listening to our discussion of hockey shit number six, Locker Room. As I said before, I'm, you know, actually I forget what I said about myself, but like easy to get around or whatever I said about myself before, you know, quote, tomato, easy greens. Anyway... Welcome back to Check This Plays, a podcast where, if you can believe it, we've been rereading the webcomic Check Plays and talking about it once every several months. Today, we're talking about hockey shit number six, Locker Room, which was originally posted on April 15th, 2016. I am Secret, and today I am joined by which vegetable? Tomato, also a fruit. It's really, uh, it's really one of those ambiguous situations, you know what I mean? Just ask Ronald Reagan. Well, technically, I think it's tomato greens, which strikes me as a vegetable. Oh, you're so right. You're so right. Well, hoisted by my own petard of my clever username I came up with when I was 13. Anyway, onward we go into the wide, wild yonder of the, lo- the, the locker room. That's okay. I came up with my username in my early 20s and I really wish I hadn't (laughs) mine is unfortunately for all of us a reference to an inside joke I had with my friend Abby in language arts class so just like let that just let that soak in I guess yeah I mean I think I've told this story before but mine is a reference to a wink in the uh, Lord of the Rings RPS fandom in 2004. (laughs) I was not in my early 20s in 2004. I was younger, but uh, (laughs) it's just such a great wink that I came back to it. Wow. And that's what Jack Zimmerman never says ever in the bedroom (laughs) for any reason. Anyway, all well, right, obviously, so- <laughs> obviously, BDC is wanking as as cheating. Well, yeah, because what? Who knows where Jack's hands have been? You know what I mean? What happens in this podcast? Wait, no, I mean, I also don't remember that because it has literally been several months since we recorded. Um, but what happens in this strip? Here is yet another hockey shit comic where Ransom and Holster explain Peagle hockey. In this one, you get to see almost all of the cast mostly naked because locker rooms are where hockey players change clothes. Wow. This comic, Endless Genius. Yeah. The interesting thing about recording this podcast is that we wrote the notes for it several months ago, so I don't remember who wrote what or like what any of our points were. So uh, that should be exciting. I'm real sick of these hockey shit comics, Tomato. I think one of the reasons why I've been just like... Oh God, we have to record this this podcast is because there's a lot of stuff in this comic. I'm actually just like very excited to like deliciously talk about, but we've seen so many of these hockey shit comics. They don't say anything 
about like anything. Sometimes they're funny. Sometimes they're well drawn, but it's like, I just, it's, I'm just kind of like, okay. All right. Okay. All right. Interesting thing I can say about this one is that in the final panel, someone throws a jock strap, and for a second I thought it was a mask. So that's just like I have more patience for this comic's weird little foibles, I think, than you do because I'm willing to just be like, yeah, sure, show me a good time, whatever. In in a way that, um, in a way that I think you're like a little more demanding of narrative. But holy shit, yeah, this comic did nothing for me except make me feel annoyed at the way it treats Lardo and Chowder, and then like it didn't teach me anything. I don't give a shit about it. I already know how buildings work. Whatever, you know, I've been in a building. I know how rooms are. <laughs> like that's all I got out of this. Ugh, old, old here for a good time tomato. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is how buildings work, I guess. Well, if you look at the GIF slash GIF, depending on which of my old terrible roommates you ask, Ransom and Holster are written differently, presumably because they have different handwritings. However, they are both very boring, blocky capitals handwriting. So I guess that's a commentary on hockey men. I don't know. It's something. So as stated, nothing, nothing in this, in this particular strip advances like the storyline at all. I mean, it's basically a tour of Faber, which is the, the hockey rink. It's not so much about the locker room. It's sort of, you know, showing you like the environs of the hockey team, like in the building. (laughs) It's a tour of the facilities effectively. So I guess in the sense that it comes after the, the Taddy tour comic, you know, you're kind of following the point of view of like a a new player on the team. It's like, well, you've seen the house. Here's the, here's the, the hockey rink, I guess. But I don't even know if this is that deep. Yes. Perhaps that is what's happening. Isn't it great how we've already done that twice with two different sets of characters? I don't know that we need yet another door. You know what I mean? It would have been a great opportunity, I think, if you were going to force us to know new characters to like really show us interaction with them. But we don't see that. We just see more of the same. Like Tango shows up in the background of one scene. And I think other than that, it's Chowder and the Frogs and Biddy. Like it's not in Ransom and Holster. It's not really like incorporating the newbies into the culture of the locker room at all. It's just same old, same old. So what a great narrative decision. Fun. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's worth reiterating that this is in the actual click-through presentation of Check, Please, and also in, like, the book versions, both the kickstarted ones and the, like, first, second official publication volumes. These hockey shit comics are at the end of the volume. So it's not like it necessarily interrupts what's happening when you're just reading through one of these books. It's not like it just interrupts the narrative. We are getting into the comics that we're posting when I had just gotten into the fandom and when I was very excited to find out what happened next with, you know, Jack and Biddy and their healthy relationship. I was going to say something like it's a little bit deflating to get one of these comics, but honestly, like in, you know, spring 2016, newly being into this fandom, I was just so fucking excited, like to see my faves that, although to be honest, my faves are not in this particular comic, 
but like I was just so excited to like see the boys like I was just happy to get anything so I don't want to make it seem like capital reader secret omg I saw this comic on you know April whatever 2016 and I was like ugh get back to the story maybe a little bit of me felt that way mostly I was just like oh goody more and also I guess it's worth saying that like these things were dropping pretty much in like chunks so there was gonna be another new comic in like two days or whatever so we were gonna get back to the story eventually this this is the kind of thing where it's just like not being in that mindset, having to just be like, okay, what is there to say about this one? It's just on its own, not that exciting. That said, I do have a theory about why we're getting this particular strip. One of the strengths of this comic is that the places in it are very well realized. Even if you're not seeing every little like nook and cranny of every single setting, you can tell that a lot of thought and a lot of planning has gone into making the spaces and the interiors that the characters are inhabiting feel real and feel like it's an actual space. This is well more than a lot of webcomics do. Infamously, webcomic characters very happily live in, in blurs and voids. <laughs> But that's not really what's happening in, in Check, Please. Everything is, is pretty well drawn out and pretty well thought out. This is not just something I'm guessing at. This is something I am aware of because I am one of Ngozi's patrons and I did used to, you know, read her background blog. And she would post schematics and like process materials and sketches and she put some of this stuff in the sort of like end notes of the Kickstarter volumes. She really puts a lot of thought and a lot of time into designing the set dressing, let's say, of the world. Having said all of that, I am pretty sure that this comic is basically just her going, well, I've designed this whole hockey building. I'll just put it into a hockey shit comic. Yeah, I agree. And Ngozi is really good at drawing backgrounds with personality and specificity. So like, it's nice. It's thoughtful. It's interesting. And I think similarly in 2016, when I was like losing my mind after, you know, every single update, and then we had just become friends and I would maybe not right around here, but around this time we became friends. And I started like messaging you after every single update being like, did you see this crazy shit? You know what I mean? Um, and this would have potentially elicited like at least a fun reaction because we were so immersed in the world and this like showing us this lengthy and sort of extended view of of one building that we spent a lot of time in like helps with that immersion but yeah it would be nice if it were for a narrative purpose i do think there's still a kind of hockey education happening and i think that maybe one way to think about that is like the tension between a presumed future audience who would be you know, coming to the comic not already in the fandom and not necessarily carrying the hockey knowledge that the current fandom had versus the like current fandom who was reading at this time, many of whom like already had learned about hockey for like being in the fandom purposes. I don't know if that's anything. I do think that it's like one way to look at that if you're thinking about, okay, how is Ngozi going to kind of like parlay this to a new audience, potentially like explaining hockey culture as part of doing that. So 
okay, fine. I guess that's one way to look at it narratively being useful, but I'm not convinced. It's just like the argument I make to myself at night so I can sleep. I mean, there is stuff in here about how hockey teams work, how hockey players are. They're very superstitious. They have a lot of patterns. They have a lot of, I I don't know, traditions that everybody just sort of blindly follows. So this whole thing with the fine system, that's a real thing. This whole thing with, you know, that's my spot that I spit onto, or you can't step on the logo in the middle of the room. Like, apparently hockey players actually do that. Now, I'm not a hockey player, so it's not an experience that I've had, but um, I guess, yeah, there, there is more information that she has gleaned about the game of hockey that is being sort of sewn into this particular hockey shit with ransom and holster diversion. Now, some might say a stronger thing would be to plan out a better comic where you can share this information, you know, in the comic. I don't know. It's fun. I don't want to be too much of a bitch. What I will say in in terms of complimenting tendency to sort of plan and lay things out to make the world feel more real. I think we spend less time in favor than we do in the house or than we do in even say like Jack's apartment later on in this year and next year. But the house and that apartment, I could tell you what they look like, like what they feel like. Like I can tell you that when you you walk up the front steps of the house, you're on the porch, and then you walk through the front door and you're in the foyer. And to your left is the kitchen. And in front of you is a staircase. And like, I can tell you what happens when you go up the stairs and when you walk through the house. And so this is not like, I wouldn't have enjoyed the comic if it didn't have this amount of pre-planning in it. Who is this useful for? It, it's useful, I think, generally for readers to feel, to just get like the affect of, of familiarity, which is a very winning quality in a, a visual story like this. It's also very useful for fanfic writers, or at least people, people like me, who it's not that like everything I produce has to be canon compliant, but like, it's very helpful if I want to write a fic set in some place to be able to know like, oh, this is how it works. This is where somebody's room is. So it's helpful in that regard. I'm really not bullshitting when I say that like, this is in general a good quality to have in this comic. It's just also that like, well, I basically think that this particular strip totally exists just to kind of like show off this this diagram of the ring. Yeah, I think that's true. And I think that folding in of like fanfic authors needs has been part of the comic since the very beginning. We're about to get to the part of the comics where things starts getting crazy in terms of like the relationship between the comic Ngozi and the fans. So like, mm, delicious, can't wait for that. But I do think maybe that this like 
development of places that feel real serve both as an immersive quality for the reader, right? Like, as you said, which is a really good thing. It's something that keeps people coming back because they feel like they're in the world. And that's something Ngozi is clearly interested in if we look at her like tweeting as Biddy, right? I think that it's immersive. And I think that like maybe the sort of like efficacy of that kind of detail with the fandom is part of why she's doing it. I don't know. I'm just like trying to ascribe to her motives other than like, look, I drew this thing. You should have it. But I don't know that there are any. And then that's fine. Like, yes, this is a quote unquote fun comic. So, you know, yeah, throw that job strap or whatever. All of the parts of Faber that are being laid out in this particular strip are places that we have seen before or been before. The coach's office was seen in like 1.3 when they're watching the tape that Biddy sent in. And then it's seen again at the beginning of year two when they are when they are when they are basically telling Diddy that if he doesn't straighten out and fly right, he's gonna get kicked off the team. Uh, the equipment room is actually in the previous strip, I think. Uh, Lardo is in there getting getting something off the wall when she's saying like every question that you're gonna ask me, the answer is shitty. The locker room has been seen, particularly in um, year one, when they tell Jack that Biddy's on his line now and Jack is like, like a baby. The trophy cases are actually visible behind Bob and Suzanne and Jack and Biddy when they're having a when they're having a little conversation after the game where Biddy scores a goal in early year one and then of course the loading docks is where Jack goes to cry um and and when um actually right before that conversation in front of the trophy cases when when Biddy overhears him talking in Francais he, he goes out and sees that Jack is, Jack is talking to his dad outside the loading docks. She uses all of these locations. Like they're all, you know, I, I just rattled that off. And in fact, I had been going through it to find it in the comic and Tomato was like, oh, we'll just, just rattle it off. So I did. And I think that demonstrates that like, yeah, this isn't coming out of nowhere. All of these locations are like part of the comic. Still, how do you put a schematic for your comic in your comic? Well, I'll tell you, you design a strip like this. Maybe if the sort of fourth wall stuff was still around at this point, I know it wasn't your favorite, but maybe that would have, I mean, this is like still an example of that, you know? So there's like something about the like winking wall inviting you into the world while showing you how the world is made, but it's fine. Hooray. I know where all the most erotic parts of Faber are. And of course, those are all the parts where Jack has cried. So thank you, Ngozi, for that. Okay, so then the next point on our outlet says, I'm glad I'm not on a hockey team. And then somebody, whoever it was, said, same. And allow me to just say to these people, agree, hard agree. Seems disgusting. I know that at least I wrote 6B. Wow, this is, speaking of meta and letting you in behind the curtain into the schematic, (laughs) let me really do that here. What I discovered between recording this episode and the last episode we recorded is that people have jockstrap kinks, which I like never thought about before and which I encountered in the wild and which made me very upset because I'm, I'm not about it. That makes me feel unhappy in terms of like thinking about like leg sweat, <laughs> but whatever. That's what I discovered people are into and someone out there should write a fanfic about it. I shouldn't, 
it's not for me to write, but someone out there, you know, I would be appropriating. Someone out there should write that. Yeah, well, as as somebody who I think is is somewhat more, let's say, MLM aligned than than you are, um, yeah, I knew, I was aware. <laughs> um, I mean, in retrospect, it makes perfect sense. I just like never thought about it, and then I encountered it, and I was like, oh, huh. Yep. Anyway, been there. <laughs> know all about that. Sorry to I- reveal my my ignorance. I think there is a, okay, so first of all, allow me to just say that, yes, the cat is trying to unplug the microphone. (laughs) Second of all, I think there is a fanfic where Jack is taking pictures of himself in a jockstrap to put on Grindr. Oh, really? I think, yeah. Okay, let me clarify when I say jockstrap. Like, I knew about jockstraps as sort of a gay icon and like a gay erotic thing I didn't I had encounter for the first time someone getting really into the fact like what the textures of the jockstrap are etc and I didn't I hadn't like quite encountered that before yes that's right of course the scent of the jockstrap the buying the used jockstraps on the internet yes we've all who among us hasn't been there I guess the answer is you tomato (laughs) but (laughs) me I'm sorry that I'm revealing myself as the innocent that I clearly was but now I know all Honestly, this is kind of just like, well, what I should, I probably need to buy some jock straps, but like, yeah, sure. I mean, I, I meant to wear, you know, for my people, well, not like other people's on the internet, but you know, be your own bee, anyway. make your own honey. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, thank you for indulging me. I'm sorry that I'm an embarrassment to the LGBTQ plus community and that I didn't, you know, show the solidarity with my MLM brothers as I should have. I just didn't know, okay? Honestly, it doesn't fucking matter, but it is just like everything about this particular strip is just like, oh God, disgusting. <laughs> like, I mean, it really is like just awful. Just, you can feel the odor just emanating terribly from the screen. I, I guess this is probably not where we were supposed to take it because obviously this is like fetishizing, but yeah, I mean, this is part of what makes like, this is part of what makes, what makes something like homoerotic and, and the subject of let's say fascination is yeah it's it's this deeply male dominated environment where you really can't get away from like other people's bodies other people's body odors like the fact that they're just like giant eating sweating disgusting men and also biddy biddy who is a man but he never eats in the comic so and that's why he's the leader of the men obviously no i mean yeah i do think there is this bitty comma leader of men that's what he's known for isn't it oh i guess they elect him captain (laughs) yeah there you go it's uh it's proof of concept i mean somehow even though this isn't a gay comic and it's about like men in locker rooms which is like mm, a classic of gay porn etc there is like not very much relishing in that sensuality like regardless of my lack of knowledge in re jockstrap mania, sweaty, intimate, emotional scene of the locker room is like pretty famously a gay space. And to not really have that here is 
it shows to me how disconnected this comic is from like gay sensibilities or like gay aesthetics, like the gay erotic aesthetic. It's just not here. May I ask, where did you encounter like jockstrap fetishization? Oh, it was on Tumblr. Oh, (laughs) excuse me. I mean, where else? Where else would I encounter it? Out of nowhere, unexpectedly. Oh, all right. Speaking of speaking of men who are discussing or not, we have this little ongoing segment that, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, it's possible that you just heard the first 59 entries and this isn't new to you. It's called Chowder Infantilization Watch, and it's been a while since we've done one of these. It is true that the strip here ends up settling on basically the punchline of Chowder doesn't get it. Or like Chowder can't handle it. How would you how would you characterize this? Okay, the honest thought that I had in this moment was, wow, remember when we were all so sure that Jack Zimmerman was like spectrum coded? What if this is Chowder being spectrum coded because he doesn't understand the rules of interaction in this particular space? But that's not what's happening at all. Um, I just had this like brief fantasy where I thought about Chowder and Jack being friends because neither of them understand how to interact with men on the hockey team. Like the joke of Chowder is that he's like so innocent, like truly a a cinnamon roll too pure for this world, like even purer than Biddy. He doesn't appear to understand that there are rules with consequences, what those consequences are. And the joke is that like, he's really afraid. And then they're just like, you just have to put a fine in this big jar. And he's like, okay, cool, whatever. I don't know, to show that he's like a little baby. (laughs) I don't know what else the point would be. I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean, I think it's basically a series of jokes that are meant to illustrate that there's all these rules and that it's a little bit intense the way that hockey players are this serious about, you know, the the fine system, which this particular team is so innocent that they use for pie money. I guess the question to me is like, do these jokes work if they're not chowder? I don't know. I guess they could. I mean, if you think about like tango, maybe tango or I, I maybe any of the frogs, really. I, I guess like there's a lot of jokes sort of at Nursey's expense, uh, not of that he like doesn't get it or is stupid, but that he's kind of like a klutz. And he kind of like falls all over himself or he drops things and he's just like, yo, <laughs> or whatever. Uh, that's kind of like an ongoing joke. Um, there's a plot line in year four. No worries if you don't remember this, because why would anyone? But uh, where he basically like trips over something and breaks his leg. Sometimes other characters are made the butt of jokes also. It's not like he's the only person who's painted as kind of like ignorant or kind of stupid but it is sort of like I don't know the word that's coming to mind and I don't love this word is like butt monkey (laughs) it's the person who's always the butt of the joke like the joke about this character is basically always that he's like a little space cadet he's like a manic pixie dream character or something where he's yeah, he's a manic pixie dream baby where he's just like, ooh, oh, ooh, ah, ooh. It's one of my least favorite TV shows of all time, Parks and Rec, which 
I hate, but anyway, that's for another podcast. I revisited it recently to see if I still hated it. And yes, I do. (laughs) It hasn't changed. But there is a character on that TV show. I think his name is Jerry, who's just like a nice man. He's just like a nice man. That's his character. And everyone in that show at all times thinks he's horrible and is making fun of him constantly. That's like his character. And this isn't nearly as mean, I think, you know, as that, but it, it feels very similar in the sense of like chowder exists as a contrast or something like Biddy is the opposite of who you'd expect on a college hockey team, but so is chowder in a different way, right? Chowder is also the opposite of who you'd expect on one of these like really elite, really ridiculous teams. I don't know. It falls flat to me. It just like, isn't funny. I, I don't think him going, I mean, there is something pretty funny about someone going, I'm the sweetie. I'm the pie dropper. Like there is something kind of funny about that because of the juxtaposition. I think of like who cares and how seriously he's taking it, but I don't know, whatever. He's a manic Trixie, Trixie. He's a manic, whatever. You get what I'm saying. He's a baby who's manic and a dream baby. Okay. I'm really failing at talking. I mean, honestly, I think that, I think even like them going fwing is like funny. It's like one of the few bro-y, like actual bro-y elements of this fucking comic. But I think what's really falling flat for me, at least in the context of this podcast, is once again, we have someone who's like really afraid. Like he seems genuinely, he's like crying a little bit, right? He's like afraid. And then everyone's like, oh no, you didn't need to be afraid. There was no reason. Whereas like in real life, obviously Biddy and coming out, there's a real reason to be afraid, even though in this comic, it treats it as though like, no, why would you be afraid? You're a fool. And like, if you're a chowder and you're kind of dumb and you're like spacey and you're getting in trouble with the hockey team, that's really fratty. Like, I don't know, man, hazing and hockey's real. People have written about it. We've talked about it on this podcast and like, it's really significant. So it's once again, this kind of like ramping of tension for no reason and then dismissing that concern as if like it's not real when it is at the expense of the character who has raised the concern so I don't know I'm not into it I don't think it's funny except for I'm the sweetie pie that's pretty funny Lardo exists in this comic technically there's her face does she say anything no she does not um she says she says I think like relax you just need to put some money in the jar Oh, that's exactly what she says. (laughs) But she doesn't say anything of particular substance. All she does is comfort this guy and like, like literally this baby. And then that's it. That's all she does. So I'm not impressed with her use here. And especially because we see her like looking bro-y with her sunglasses. But, you know, again, she doesn't actually act bro-y. She just papers over the situation and mother's chowder. Great. Feminism in action. We've got it. Can you imagine Jack doing this role? Like he was the captain of the team. Can you imagine him being like, uh, you need to put some money in the jar? I can. And it would be horrible because there would be no joy about it at all. He would just be like, um, excuse me, you wait, no, his voice would be higher. Um, excuse me. Um, you excuse me. You um, excuse me. You touch the S on the floor and that's not okay. Uh, money please and that would be like the whole I mean, the whole fucking year and then they voted for him again they were like yes that's what i want a captain insane 
This comic is nice because we've been missing some sort of like team interactions. And I like the fact that we're seeing the team as a whole, like do teamy things. I do enjoy seeing people sort of like rib each other. It shows us a little more about their personalities than we've gotten. Again, I think this would be more helpful if the new characters were folded in, but whatever. I don't know why Tango shows up asking a fucking question when the entire premise is that Holster and Ransom are explaining things without Tango's stupid questions. I think that it's like, an unfunny callback that doesn't work, it annoys me because it's like not narratively elegant. And like this comic is not narratively elegant. So why am I still thinking about that? I don't know, but I wish that it were more narratively elegant. I think that even though I don't hate these, the comic around this comic, the other strips are so much less slapsticky and so much less funny that the tonal shift is too much. And I actually find it more irritating than anything else. You know, I wasn't anti-hockey shit before. I liked them more than you did, I think. I like a good tonal shift, but this one isn't working for me. And I am irritated at the way Chowder's treated and I'm irritated at the way Lardo's treated and I'm irritated at that green stuff coming out of that fucking jockstrap because it's so fucking gross. I guess I should give some compliments. You want to know what I feel like I'm mostly giving compliments to this strip? I like how it's sure. drawn. I think this is like the best her art is. It's not the best most beautifully drawn strip. I think we've talked about several of those already, but I think like her line work, her coloring is really like at its apex here. I think as we get into year four, things don't look quite as good to me. Like everybody's like nicely on model. I know that sounds crazy. If you look at the panel where um, Biddy is like lecturing nursey about spitting on the floor it's like biddy is drawn really well he's not like a i don't know rag doll <laughs> he seems like he's like fully inhabiting the space and you can sort of see like the proportions of his body it just like looks it's like he's a cartoon character he has giant eyes and he looks you know like lanky and in keeping with the way that she's been drawing him, but just like all of the characters seem to be sort of like inhabiting their bodies and inhabiting their forms in a way that like really syncs up well. I just like the way that these characters are drawn. And I like the way that like all of her colors are popping and everything is very like vibrant and alive. There's a lot of energy in this comic. I actually like the the panels of the jockstrap, not the jockstrap itself. First of all, it feels like cartoonishly disgusting it's like something out of Ren and Stimpy I just is gross it's actually I think like a a well-drawn panel first in the way that like characters are sort of like poking their heads in to sort of like look at what he's talking about I think the way that the giant white block text is is hovering over the thing is is funny you can almost see that like popping up on the screen if this were like a movie or a tv show I also like the next panel where he holster is just sort of looking at the camera And then Dex kind of like punctuates it. I just, I don't know. I think it's like awkward and funny and you can like almost see like how this would play out if it were a, if it were like a a filmic medium. I just think that's, that's kind of cool and kind of funny. I think this is like a well-arranged comic and I don't want to pretend that I don't like it or that I didn't think it was fun or that I don't enjoy seeing drawings of mostly naked men. That's really the only thing I care to look at 
But we're here to talk about like the story of Sheck Please. And I think, you know, the awkward fact is that looking back over it when you're not kind of like in the fandom getting the reading experience. Yeah, these are just strips that are like not really part of the story of Sheck Please. They're, they're these things that are part of the comic, but it's just kind of like, all right, well, now we have to sit down and talk about this. And it's not that I'm not enjoying talking to you, Tomato, but it's just that like other strips are so much more fun because there's exciting revelations or bullshit. And this is just kind of like, yeah, okay. You know, they're dancing around in the locker room. I have no idea what song this is supposed to be. They're playing off of the speaker in the last panel. My final, final, final note about this is that, yeah, there's a, there's a Harry Potter reference in this strip. We're talking about Horcruxes. And, you know, of all the things in, in Check Please that have maybe should have aged poorly. I don't know if that's what I would have guessed. Wow. So much of this comic, I couldn't foresee what was coming. And yet, and yet here we are in this beautiful world where everything's great. <laughs> and uh, I'm not having any big breakdowns related to recent Supreme Court decisions. Anyway, that's not for this podcast either. Yeah, I agree about the coloring. I think that the art in this is really beautiful. And there's like almost a discipline to it maybe that is lacking in later comics is either she's rushing or she's less into the project. I don't know. But there is something just like you can just feel the effort that in a way that's really effective. I don't know. I like to draw. I've been getting more into it lately for fun. I am so fucking bad at coloring. Like it is not something that comes easily to me at all. I'm also not an incredible artist to be clear. It's just for fun, but it has made me really appreciate the weight and gozy like uses light and uses coloring really effectively because like, it's not neon. It's not bright. It's not like crazy colors it's just blue and red essentially and like different skin tones but all of those skin tones feel like they're appropriately part of the same hue and like I mean this is like art 101 but I don't understand art so forgive me I don't know it's just really nice there is something like amazing about the way that the colors stand out from each other without either of them looking over bright it's really thoughtful it's really really nice so that's cool wish it had been doing something else but the colors look good yeah it's very like jewel tones yeah. I mean, this is not that exciting an episode of this podcast, but what I can promise you is that it's going to get very exciting because we're about to stumble onto just a whole lot of what the fuck. And um, there will be more hockey shit comics and we will discuss them. However, I think this is the only one for this year. I think there's, I think there's a couple more coming up in, in year four, but we're not going to have to take any more side trips, I think, to, to hockey term definitions until we get to year four. So next time. Well, you have anything else you want to throw in here? I missed you. I missed you too, Tomato. But you want to know what? I was here the whole time. Yeah, I was here the whole time. But we weren't talking about Jack Zimmerman's jockstrap. So what use was that, frankly? Oh God. I mean, truly it is just like, it's just like, oh, things just keep getting worse. <laughs> like it's really felt that way the past couple of weeks. So welcome back to Check This Please. The comic that where I like to feel like things are getting worse. Next time we'll be talking about comic 3.3, Meet the Falconers. And may I just say, I hate the Falconers. <laughs> So I'm excited to tell you why.
We're getting into the part of the comic where I feel the most intense betrayal because I was so into it and then became so abruptly out of it that like everything is like on this this like erotic edge of hatred and love. It's delicious. I'm so excited. So I'm looking forward to that. We're like going up and up a roller coaster and we're about to just like, just like all yes. the way down. Mm-hmm, delicious. All right. Oh, I didn't so, like that. I wish I hadn't. Sorry, everybody. I've been secret and you can find me on AO3 at familiar or on Tumblr at Camillier, C-A-M-I-L-L-I-A-R, or S-K-R-T-O-M-G. And um, what's your story? I'm Tomato. You can find me at tomatorights.tumblr.com or on AO3 at tomato underscore greens. And you can find us at checkdisplease.tumblr.com and on Podbean and on Spotify. And maybe this time around, Wait, big news. Got a new asthma inhaler. I'm up to three inhalers and life's great. Anyway, maybe now that I can breathe a little better, I'll finally get us on Apple Podcasts. So who can say? But for now, it's Podbean, Spotify, and Tumblr. Oh yeah, and we made this website that we need to update. Uh, Checkdisplease.xyz. Well, you want to know what? Life is hell. So if you're yeah, still sure here, fucking if, you, is. if you're still here listening to this, uh, thank you. Uh, we we love that you're on this this journey with us. And this was not the most exciting thing to talk about. But as I keep saying, like the comic is about to just basically like explode. All of the things that I feel very passionate about are ahead of us. So um, join us next time when we talk about three point three. Meet the Falconers. Okay, bye. Bye. Check This Pleased is written, recorded, and produced by Secret and Tomato. Our theme music is by Tomato, and our art is by Nahangan.